Well, good morning. Good to see you guys today and good to be with you. Uh, my name is Craig Walker, and uh, I have the honor of being one of BCL's founding pastors. <clears throat> what a privilege it is for me to be back with you today. Uh, I came to know the Lord in 1981 while working for one of the Maquiladora plants over in Matamoros. Pastor Kenny became my pastor and uh, best friend. And now, many years later, God has actually joined us together at the hip. My daughter, Mindy, married his son, John, and we got all these grandkids together. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Over the years, God has uh, graciously let uh, my family and I, Debbie and I, and our children, uh, not just be a part of BCF to plant it, but to leave here and to go to Indiana to plant a church there with uh, your pastors, Mike and Mary Kay Dean. Mike Dean is one of the recovery pastors, wife Mary Kay. And then uh, to go to Salina, Texas, and we planted a church there. And then to leave that church to hand it off to another pastor and then to start new ministries. We started one uh, for pastors. I coach pastors, helping them lead their church to a, another level. And uh, I have a ministry to people like you, uh, helping you overcome the doubts you have about yourself so that you live with more confidence and peace and joy than you've ever known possible. I really want to help you live the life that you were born to love. And uh, over the years, uh, God has let us lead many, many people to Christ, see them come to know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. What many of you don't know, and this is good for you to know, you wonder, what happens to my giving sometimes? You know, where does it go? Well, it, it came right here. Uh, all that I've done and been a part of all these years, BCF has supported my family and I. So Debbie and I tell you, you share in all the fruit that we've had over our lives. And we say thank you uh, for your trust and love for us. And I just want to have Debbie, wherever she's at, she's here somewhere, raise your hand. Oh, right here. Good. Good to see you this morning. I'll probably pay for that later, you know, putting her under the spotlight. She doesn't really like that kind of thing. Uh, but thank you, Debbie, and thank you guys for all of your support. Let me just say a word to you who are here today. Uh, maybe you don't regularly go to church, or maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. I just want you to know that you are in the right place. You're in a church that will love you, support you, and help you become all that God created you to be. Now then, with that, let me tell you this is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about who did God make you to be? Do you ever wonder that growing up? You know, who am I? How did I get here? What's, what's my role in life? Yeah, I, I wondered those things. Do you ever wonder maybe how did you get here? Are you, are you just here by random chance? You know, you're the product of random chance, maybe. Or maybe you're your parents' accident. <laughs> or worse, you're your parents' mistake. Or perhaps there is another reason. Because there is a, a personal, all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving God, your creator. Who are you really? That's the question I want to answer for you today. Who am I? Now, I know for me personally, I have this uh, vision, this image of what I wanted to be. I wanted to be someone important, someone that people would like, someone that people would talk to and, and seek out for counsel, seek for advice. I wanted meaning. I wanted purpose. I wanted fulfillment in life. There was just a problem, though. At that time in my life, I didn't have any of those things. And what makes matters worse, I didn't believe that I could. I thought, 
something's wrong with me. I, I thought, surely God messed up because I'm not smart enough to do what I really want to do. Now let me ask you a question. What do you do when you, when you have this vision that you want to be, this person that you want to be, but you have this belief that you can't be? What do you do? Well, here, here's what people tend to do. First, uh, they live with the pain and the paralysis of self-doubt. They live with that. And that, that's, that's a painful, painful place to be. Uh, in other words, it hurts to be you. That, that's true of me. It hurt to be me. I, I, was, I was stressed out. Yeah, there are those times that you hit a home run in a relationship or you hit a home run in your job and you feel good about yourself, but those feelings don't last very long because something always comes back around to remind you, oh yeah, that's who you are. There's something messed up with you. There's something missing. There's something broken and something keeping you from being the person you want to be. You just, you just feel stuck. And then when you feel stuck, you kind of branch out into another level of living. We all hate it, but it's what really happens is you pretend that you are the kind of person that you want to be. Pretending is common, isn't it? We fake it. We put on a mask. There was this zoo that uh, right before the prime zoo season uh, opened, the main attraction, the gorilla, it just up and died. And the zookeeper, he kind of freaks out. He searched the world over to find another gorilla to buy, but there was not a gorilla to be had anywhere. So in desperation, he went down to the acting studio and he hired an actor. Bought a suit for him and said, you're the man. And he brought him back to the zoo. Well, at first, the guy wasn't very good at it, but by the time the doors opened for the prime zoo season, he was really good. He was an actor. He was good at what he did. And he was so good at it, one day he was confidently up on the wall that separated the lion enclosure from the gorilla enclosure, and he's doing flips, and he's dancing around, and he's being all goofy, waving his arms, ooh, like a gorilla does. But he slipped, and he fell off the wall down inside the lion enclosure. That's a bad deal. Okay, he's laying there, he looks up, and he sees the lion, and he freaks out. And he starts yelling, help, help, get me out of here. The lion looks over and sees the guy laying there and just comes running with a bolt and sticks his face right in the man's face. And the lion whispered, if you don't shut up, you're going to get us both fired. <laughs> I tell you, pretend it's common. And I did it. I know. Gosh, you know, you just, you feel like this is who I want to be, but I can't be. And so what do you do? You just fake it. You put on the suit. You pretend that you are that person, but it doesn't help. And you know why it doesn't help? Because nothing on the inside's changed. You still live the pain and paralysis of self-doubt. Here's the third thing we do. We hide. We hide. You hide because you don't want anybody to know the real you. You hide so that one no, no one knows who you really are. You hide because... You're afraid. This, this is what I did. I was so afraid if someone knew me, they wouldn't like me. That's, that's a tough place to be. That's a painful place to be. And I, I know. I used to live this way. I'm not the first person to feel stuck, am I? I'm not the first person to be a poser, am I? I'm not the first person to hide, am I? I bet some of you have struggled with this too. Well, I have good news for you today. The you, the real you, the person God made you to be, you're enough. 
Here's what I want you to know, that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing broken. There's nothing about you that needs change that you can't change. You, sitting here this morning, is enough to do all God made you to do. Now, if you'll stick with me for the next few minutes this morning, I'm going to tell you three things. One, I'm going to tell you who you really are. You're going to see the real you that God made you to be. Uh, you are going to discover why um, you doubt yourself, why you feel the need to pretend. And then I'm going to give you a formula to change. I'm going to show you something really simple someone showed me years ago that changed me, and it's going to change you. What I want you to hear today is you are going to love the real you that God made you to be. Now then, follow along. If you will, please take out your notes. If you don't have notes, uh, raise your hand real high, and one of our ushers will see you, and they'll bring a set around for you so that you can follow along. So who are you really? That's the question that we want to answer here this morning. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is going to be our key verse here this morning, all right? This is what the Bible tells us. The words will be on the screen for you as well. It said, for we are God's masterpiece. That's what God says about you. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Wow. You're God's masterpiece. That's the first thing that I want you to write down. Masterpiece is your blank. Fill it in, and then in your notes, highlight it, that word. Circle that word or underline it so you never forget, I'm God's masterpiece. I love Wikipedia's definition, a creation. A masterpiece is a creation that's been given much critical praise, especially one that's considered the artist's great, greatest work of his career. That, that's, that says a lot about us. Do you realize when God calls you his masterpiece, what that means? Let me just tell you three things that it means. Number one, it means that you are the person that God created to show the world who he is. You are the masterpiece that God created to show the world who he is. Do you realize that God has put his reputation at stake on you? You say, is that right? I say, yeah, it absolutely is. You are the art, you are the piece of art that he wants to point to and say, look, this is what I can do. Look, this is how great I am. When, when God sees you, he wants everyone to see you like he sees you. This is amazing. Listen to this. Ephesians 2, verse 7, same chapter, same context. God saved you. Why did he save you? The Bible says so that God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. You, the real you, right where you sit today, your personality, your genetics, your intellect, your build, your height, everything about you today is enough for God to show off the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness for generations. This is pretty amazing. Do you realize that you are to God what the Mona Lisa is to Leonardo da Vinci? Do you realize you are to God what the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel is to Michelangelo? You are the work of art by which he wants to be made 
Here's the second thing that it means. It means that you don't become a masterpiece. This ought to be liberating to you. You don't have to become a masterpiece. Did you know that? You are. God says, you are my masterpiece. Now, if you could become a masterpiece by your behavior, people could look at you and say, wow, look what you've done with yourself. You're a self-made woman. You're a self-made man. But you can't. You already are the person that God created. So when you behave like you, you show off God, you're his masterpiece. You don't become. Listen, you don't become a masterpiece. God is not asking you, would you please hurry up and become a masterpiece? No, God is just simply inviting you. So would you trust me? Lean into me so that you can behave like a masterpiece. That's all. He's just, he's just inviting you to come in and behave with trust like a masterpiece. Here's a third thing that it means. It means that it is impossible to be ordinary. It is impossible for you to be ordinary. Have you ever felt like this? I have. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just... I'm just me, you know. I'm just average me. I'm just regular, oh, I'm just the old guy, you know. Nobody special. Some, maybe somebody ordinary at best. You ever felt like that? But did you know that that line of thinking is wrong? It's incredibly wrong. You know why? Let me ask you a question. This is not a trick question. This is a good question. Have you ever in your life seen an ordinary masterpiece? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Well, of course not. Neither have I. You know why? There's no such thing. It is a masterpiece by definition, and God says, you, you are my masterpiece. Wow. This is who you are. It's impossible for you to be ordinary. Now, God wants to do things through you. He wants you to do works that are so incredible that for the next 100 years, people will be talking about your impact here in this world. That's right. That you here this morning. Now he says a second thing he said to us. You're his masterpiece, but then he says you're created anew in Christ Jesus. Now then, keep with me. Don't let your mind wander throughout this part. I want you to get this, okay? Made anew. What does that mean? Made anew means to be put back to the original the person God originally designed you to be. Before the fall, before sin, before all that, God wants to put you back to the original because the original you is enough. And that's what it means to be made anew, put back to the original. Now, stick with me. When did God make you? He made you before he made the world. He made you before he made the universe. There was nothing you were the point of God's creation from the very beginning. God looked out and he, he took you and, and made you in his imagination. Listen, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 said, Even before God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He didn't make you materially, but he made you in his imagination so that he could love you, the person that you would be, and say, oh, my goodness, this is who they are? This is what I've created? Yeah, and he loved it before the world was. Underline that phrase, before he made the world. I imagine God creating you um, like Obi-Wan Kenobi holding a hologram. God <laughs> held you in his hand, and he imagined you. Can you get it? He's, he's got you here, and he creates your body. 
he, he can see it in his mind's eye. And he, he knows how tall you are. He knows how uh, uh, your physique, everything about it, what it looks like. He sees the color of your skin, the color of your eyes, the color of your hair. He looks at all of it and says, wow, this is really cool. That's, that's you that I'm making. And then God made you with a living spirit. He, he puts a spirit inside of you. The spirit of a man is that part of you that knows God, that gets God, that communicates with God, okay? It senses God, it gets, his God, gets God. That's your spirit. And then he created your soul. Now, your soul is really cool. Go back to the body just a second. The body is physical. It senses the world. It sees it, it hears it, it smells it, it tastes it, it touches it. That's how the body gets the world. And then he creates the spirit. Well, the spirit is how we get God. The spirit senses God. So you got all that. Then he gives you a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You're able to have emotions about what you sense from the world and what you sense from God. You're able to think about what you get or what you see in the world, but what you sense from God. You're able to make decisions, your will, about what you sense in the world and about, or excuse me, what you think about in the world and what you think about what you sense from God. You can do all that. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your soul. The soul works with the body and the soul works with the spirit. That's important to know because here's what happened. After God created you, a body, a soul, and a spirit, I mean right down to the last detail. He knew your birthday. He knew uh, the parents you would be born to, the, the family that you'd, become in, you'd come into. Wonderful or whacked out, kind of like my family, you know? It didn't matter because God said, I get it all, and I knew it, and I created it for good so that you could show off my glory. That's, that's why I made you. Now, this is, this is pretty amazing. After God makes you, he puts you on the shelf of his imagination. Then he speaks the world into being. He creates uh, the world, the dirt, the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the veggies, the veggie tails, and all that flies above the earth and all that crawls on the ground. You know, the moscas, the mice, the cucarachas, and the crocodiles. He made it all. It's beautiful. And he said, ah, now it's time for man. And he reaches back in his design center and he pulls out that first man. And he reaches down and he looks at his plan and says, oh yeah, that's what he's going to be like. And he grabs some dirt and he shapes it, forms it into a man. The man that he designed that's going to be wonderful. And then he looked and said, wow, this is awesome. In fact, the Bible says this is good. It's what God said. But then he said, now, it's not good. It's not good that man should be alone. So God pulled a rib from his side. And he fashions it into the woman. He knew the works that she would do. He knew everything, every detail about her. And this is wonderful. And now then, the first two human beings, they are material. They have a physical body that senses the world. They have a spirit, or a soul rather, a soul that senses what the body understands, and the soul knows about the spirit. It senses God. It can understand and make decisions and know all about God. And then he puts a living spirit inside of them, breathes the breath of life into them. And by the way, that spirit, that big S, that's not Superman, Superwoman, that's spirit. <laughs> They're alive. That's the core. That's the inside of who you are. That's what God made you to be. Now then, something went wrong. 
Not something that God didn't understand and he wasn't prepared for, but something still went wrong. The Bible tells us, you and I know what happened. Let me just back up and read this to you. This is Genesis chapter 2. After he creates Adam and Eve in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? We know about that. But the Lord then took man and he placed him and the woman in the garden that they had made in a place called Eden. And then he said, the Lord God warned the man, said, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Now read this next word with me. Except, one more time, you can eat from everything except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to what? You're going to die. How many, how many of you know what happened next? He died. <laughs> he ate. He ate. He disobeyed God. He ate the fruit and he died. He said, wait, it was 900 something years before he died. Yeah, but do you know what happened? His spirit within him died immediately. That part of man that gets God, that part of man that communicates with God, that part of man that the soul then can have emotions about, that, that can think about and make decisions about, that part of him is dead. So now he's half dead. He's half alive. He's a physical man with a soul that can relate to the physical, but he's also a spiritual man, but his spirit is dead, so he can't talk to God. He doesn't even know about God. doesn't get God. It makes sense when God shows up in the garden and looking for Adam and Eve, they hid themselves. Why? Because they're spiritually dead. They don't know God. They don't know what he's like. They're scared to death of him now. By the way, that tells us a lot about why we hide too, doesn't it? Well, this story doesn't end so badly. Romans 12, 5 tells us what happened because sin came to Adam and Eve. Sin came into the world. When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. By the way, you can put your name in that spot. It came to Craig because of that. Craig sinned. Everyone sinned. We all sinned. That's true. You see, without a spirit, we're spiritually dead. So we don't get that side of life. We don't understand it. Ah, but Jesus came, and you know the rest of the story. He died on the cross, gave his life for us. And Jesus tells us, he said, unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You're just going to be blind to it because you live in darkness. You don't see the spiritual world. He said, humans can re reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So when you trusted Christ, your spirit was reborn in you. He, he made you, do you get it? He made you, Christ made you anew. You are God's masterpiece. Christ came and all that you were originally, God made you that again because you still are a physical person. You still are you. You still have your soul. But now your spirit has been made alive and you can see God. You get God again. That's who God made you to be. That's, that's you. That's the original you. That's the person God made as his masterpiece. You who sit here today. Now, this is amazing. I want to share a couple of insights with you that you need to hear. What does it mean then that I'm a masterpiece and I'm made anew? 
just a couple of thoughts here real quick. One, it, to be made anew means there's nothing wrong with you. You need to hear this. Friend, there is nothing wrong with you. Every one of you that are sitting here saying, yeah, but, forget the but. There is nothing wrong with you. Your masterpiece, you, if you're in Christ, have been made anew. Now, please hear me. I didn't say you don't need to change, okay? I did not say you do not need to change. There are a lot of things about you that need to change. I'm just saying you can change because now you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, and He's alive. You don't just know the physical world now. You can know the spiritual God, and you can get it. You can get God. So all these cool things come to you. One, it means that there's nothing wrong with you. Here's the second thing that it means. It means that made anew means you have power. Power to perform. Power to do everything God wants you to do. He made you anew. Why? So you can do all the good things God prepared for you long ago. You can. Just think about it. You really can. Masterpiece, made anew to do. You have power. I think, and by the way, sometimes God will ask you, put on your heart to do things that are just incredible out of this world that you physically say, I can't do that. But if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you won't argue. You say, I'll just go do it. I can. I think Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, was the first to get this. I do. I think Peter was, was starting to wake up uh, one night. He's, he's at the oars, and he's rowing across the Sea of Galilee late at night, maybe early in the morning, and he and the other disciples look up and they see Jesus walking on the water coming across the Sea of Galilee. And, and they freak out. I mean, wouldn't you too? I mean, you see, you've never seen this before. They think, oh my, it's a ghost. And they go, ah! And, uh, but it wasn't a ghost. And Jesus said, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not a ghost. It's, it's I. Uh, don't be afraid. Cool down. Cool your jets. And so they settle down. And Peter says, whoa, if, if he can walk on water, and I've already seen all this other stuff that he can do. If he can walk on water, he could command it, and I could walk on water. And so G Peter gets this idea. He said, Lord, if that's you, command that I get out of this boat and I walk on water to you. And Jesus, the Bible doesn't tell this, but I think this really happened. I think Jesus just grinned from ear to ear. It's kind of like, finally, somebody gets me. Somebody gets me. Somebody gets what I can do. And so... He said, come. And Peter crawled over the edge of the boat and stood on the water, and then he took a few steps. This is amazing. He literally walked on water. He said, how? Because Jesus commanded it. This, this is my whole point to you. You have new power. You can do everything God wants you to do. You can. Masterpiece, made anew. Are you following me? You feeling it? Masterpiece. Say it, the next word. Made anew to do. That's you. You sitting here today with all your quirks, all the things that you think about yourself, that, my friend, is who you are. So we got a question we should answer because I know you're asking it because I've asked it too. If, if I am a masterpiece made anew in Christ Jesus, why do I sometimes feel so ordinary? Why do I sometimes feel like something's wrong with me? And, and why do I feel the need to hide and to pretend? Why? That's a great question. Let me talk to you who are 
not in Christ. You've not come to the place yet that you'd put your trust in Jesus. In fact, if someone tells you about Jesus, you think, yeah, that's not for me. I want to have fun. Or, yeah, that's not for me. I don't believe in God. I understand that. You know why I understand that? You feel this way because the spirit inside of you is dead. You don't get God. Your spirit is dead. You're living in the dark. You're spiritually walking in the dark. Peter, or excuse me, Paul said this. This is the guy that God used to write a large part of the Bible. Paul said, people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. In other words, you hear the truth that your masterpiece made anew to do. You think, not me. I've already seen me. I know who I am. And you blow it off. Because you're looking at it as the physical, and that's all. You can't receive it. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. Hmm. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. See, your soul cannot process spiritual with the physical. And the spiritual part of you is dead. The good news is, though, you can turn it all around. You can have the lights turned back on spiritually for you if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. Let me, let me tell you what happens. This, this is what's happened probably to all of us, okay? You come in this world, and all there is of you is the physical, and then things happen to you. Maybe some of these have happened to you. In fact, I, I'm sure they have. Listen to this. When your daddy walked out on you, uh, when you were just a little boy or a little girl, you thought he walked out on me, he walked out on us because he doesn't love me because I'm not lovable. Something's wrong with me. That's what you thought. Um, when you were abused as a little girl or a little boy, teenager, whatever, when you were abused, physically abused, you thought, I got treated that way because I deserve to be treated that way. When you made bad grades in school and you looked around and everyone else seemed to be making good grades you looked at it and you assessed it and said well they're making good grades because they're smart I make bad grades because I'm not very smart something must be wrong with me and this is what I said about myself I must be stupid I really believe that when you weren't welcomed into the in crowd in high school you just didn't fit in and others seemed to have good friends and others seemed to fit in you, you looked around and said, something's wrong with me relationally. I'm just, I just don't know. I just don't get it relationally. Something's wrong with me. Um, when people teased you about the way you looked, you thought, well, it's because I'm ugly. I'm messed up. I'm just not pretty or handsome like everybody else. And then when you messed up and you messed up again and you messed up again and probably again like I did, you thought, I mess up because I am messed up. Can I just tell you, that is you interpreting you with only the physical. You're in the dark, spiritually. The lights are out. You cannot see. And all of those things are wrong. They are all dead wrong. But I can tell you why you got it wrong. You didn't hear. At that point in your life, without Christ, you couldn't hear God's side of the story. All you could hear was the physical side of the story. Your soul could talk, but it could only talk to the physical. There was no spiritual. The spirit was dead. You're in the dark. 
going through life without a living spirit is like going through life listening to only one side of the story. And my friend, I promise you the devil will make sure that you get only his side, the wrong side. The scripture tells us without faith in Christ, we're spiritually in the dark. It says in Ephesians 2, said once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying who? The devil. Without Christ. You can turn it all around today just by being born again into the family of God. Now, some of you are sitting here and say, wait a minute, I get that. I understand why they would struggle because, you know, um, they don't have the Spirit of God, but I do. I got Jesus. I've been born again. I got the Spirit of God living in me. I'm alive in Christ. So why do I feel ordinary? Why do I feel like something's wrong with me? Why do I feel the need to pretend, the need to hide? And I can tell you. Because, not because your spirit is dead. You feel this way because your spirit is dull. And I don't mean dull in the sense that you're bad. I don't mean dull in the sense that something's wrong with you, that you don't like God, you don't love God. I'm sure you do. You're, you're like me. Your spirit's just dull. You just don't believe, and this is the whole problem, you just don't believe what God says about you. Understand, I'm not throwing rocks at you, I promise. I'm, I'm right there where you are. You just doubt it. You hear God say you're a masterpiece, created new in Christ Jesus, and you can do all these things, and, and you say, yeah, no, no, not me. You just don't believe it. That's how I was. I would read the Bible when it says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and uh, God knits you in your mother's womb. And I'd read in the Bible, it's your God's masterpiece, created new in Christ Jesus. And, and I'd say, yes, but. <laughs> you ever do that? Yes, but. <laughs> and I'd have my excuses why it couldn't be true for me. I would read those verses in the Bible like I would read a spam email that starts out, Dear Sir, Madam, you know, if you'll give me your checking number, I'll put a million dollars in your bank account. <laughs> I just kind of, oh, yeah, beep, ek, delete. <laughs> it's not to me, but it is. Here, here's what I want you to know. You don't have to keep going and doing life the way you're doing life today. You can go out of here today a different person. You know how I know that? Because I did it. 2014, February the 14th. That wasn't that long ago. I was in a, a man's office, and he said, Hey, Craig, tell me your story. So I told him my whole story, and I didn't leave out any of the bad details, and he said, you know, you got a lot of baggage. And I said, yes, I do. Tell me what I don't know. <laughs> and he said, well, you can walk out of here today a different man. I said, how? He said, simply believe. I said, it can't be that easy. Just believe. I went home, and I searched the scriptures, and I looked at all the passages that I already knew and most I'd memorized, and I thought, you know, God, it's true. The whole deal comes down to faith. Am I going to trust what you say or am I going to believe what I see? And I had been believing what I had seen. That day, I decided I would change everything. I'm going to give you the formula that I used that day and I've been using every day since and you can use it today. You can go out of here today a different person than the person that came in. You can deal with your doubts here today. Here's the formula. You ready? It's simple. I can and I will 
by God's grace, and then you fill in the blank. For me, it was I can and I will, by God's grace, reject the thoughts that says you're, something's wrong with you, you're not smart enough. And I'm going to accept that I can be and do all that God created me to do. And by God's grace, I can and I will take that thought captive and I will not accept anything else. I drove a stake in the ground, spiritually speaking. And I want you to know that God changed my life. God had used me up until that day because I believed in God. I believed God could do anything. My only problem was I didn't think he could do anything through me. He could do it through you. He could do it through him and her, but not me. Since that day, I live with a new confidence, a new joy, a new peace. I, I just, I'm a new guy. I was already born again. I just let the Spirit speak and be alive. He's not dull in me anymore. You can have that too. You who are here today, you've never put your trust in Christ. You could receive him this morning. It's simply God in heaven. I receive you today. I want to be born again. I want to see life with my spirit. Let's pray. If you're here and you're ready to put your trust in Christ, then would you just say this morning, Father, I confess I've rejected you. I've lived life my way. But today I want to receive the new life. Make me anew in Christ Jesus so that I can be the person you created me to be. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that he was raised from the dead to give me this new life. I believe. And Father, I pray for all of us here today that having heard your word, that we would put an end to doubt and let truth reign, that we would accept we are your masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus. You put us back to the way we were originally designed. Father, we trust you. Help us to live in such a way that others see how incredibly kind you are and they too would put their trust in you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.